Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Let's read together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was unformed and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So there was evening, and there was morning one day. I want to start by asking you today, have you ever felt the feeling of being overwhelmed by how much lies in front of you? How much needs to be done? How much progress needs to be made? How big the dream is? How much the dream costs? How much you want to see it happen? You know, Christmas is coming. We have desires for holidays and special things, and it can feel so big and so impossible. School fees are coming in the new year for a lot of you parents, and sometimes you look at what's needed and you're like, it can just feel overwhelming. Have you ever felt like there's so much to do that you end up doing nothing? I feel this sometimes with housework. I'm like, hey, there's so much to do that I sit for an hour just thinking about how much I have to do. It can feel overwhelming. And when God was creating the unfathomably large universe, think about it. He was about to make molecules and oxygen and grass and whales and fur and flowers and photosynthesis and oceans and stars and particles and panda bears and personalities. He was about to have to make all that out of nothing. But before creating any of the things or any of the people, he first brought order and structure to time. By separating light from darkness and assigning each of them a specific time frame, he made day and night. He started with one day. Days are a very common theme in the Bible. Week is only mentioned 26 times. Month is referred to 250 times. The year, 834 times. While day is mentioned 2,352 times in the scripture. And the first measure of time that God made in creation was not a month or a year or a season or a term or a calendar. It was one day. After all, weeks and months and years and seasons and terms and calendars and planners, all they are is simply a collection of days. Today, I pray that you're going to be encouraged and uplifted. And the word the Lord's put in my heart for today, it's kind of unique, is the word relief. I'm praying that you're going to be relieved as I minister on discover the power in today. Almost exactly seven years ago. I was sitting on a balcony overlooking a beautiful river. I was a brand new wife sitting next to my brand new husband of just a few days. We were on our honeymoon. But I got to be honest and say, in, in that moment, sitting on that balcony, instead of just basking in the pure bliss of being on honeymoon alone, I was wrestling internally with an anxious and worried heart. You see, a few months before Alan and I got married, a well-known and much loved by Alan and I, worship leader and minister, 
had made public that he and his wife of over 20 years had separated, and there was a lot of scandal, a lot of compromise, and a lot of ungodly behavior that was being publicly exposed, and it truly broke up my heart. It, it, it shook me. It upset me, and so I'm sitting next to my husband, and we're on honeymoon, right? So we're dreaming and planning, and we're excited for all the things that the future could possibly hold for us, but in the middle of it, I couldn't help but hear this fear in my heart, like, if that worship leader and that couple can't make it after 20 years, why do we think that we will? You know, I'm also surrounded by wonderful, long-lasting marriages. I know that it can be done, but in that moment, I was like, is it just luck? I mean, what is it? How do I know that 20 years from this blissful honeymoon, which is a long time, how do I know that it won't be our marriage that's ending? You know, we're also songwriters. We're also worship leaders. What's going to make us different? And I don't think any husband, five days into their marriage, is ready for this kind of, you know, reality of, but I was like, well, he's stuck with me. I might as well ask. So I spoke up that afternoon as we're sitting in our blissful honeymoon, and I was like, babe, how are we going to make it for the long haul and not just survive? How are we going to get to 20, 30 years should the Lord Terry truly happy, truly in love? Not just an Instagram couple that smiles for the camera, but the real life over the Instagram real life tells a very different story. Who are we to think that we can? And my precious, barely weak old husband faced with a deep question. I mean, we're on honeymoon. And I'm like, buddy, we're, we're going, we're diving deep. We're, we're going to deal with some things. Barely a week old, he answered that question with some of the wisest words that I have ever heard. We are just going to make today good, he said. This is what he told me. Rebecca, if we put all of our focus and all of our creativity and all of our energy into just today, not tomorrow or months down the road, if we just make today good, then this good day will stack together and become a good week. And good weeks will become good months. And good months will build good years. And should Jesus tarry a long way down the road, we will have made a good marriage just by making a good today. I only have one point in my message today. Number one, just make today good. You know, nobody wakes up and their marriage ends that day out of nowhere. It might reach its breaking point on that day, but it started cracking and little problems started showing up way long ago. So, how are we going to survive and not just survive but thrive? We're going to forgive today and we're going to repent today and we're going to be kind today. And if we mess up, we're going to deal with it today. And we're not going to let the sun go down upon our wrath today. We're going to deal with what needs to be. We're going to pull up those few little weeds today. Now, I don't know if you might be facing a big question like mine. I was facing this question of how am I going to build a lifetime of a genuinely, legitimately good marriage? Maybe you're sitting here and asking, how am I going to raise good, responsible children in such a messed up world? 
Maybe you're asking how you're going to fix a hurting relationship or build your small business or lose all that weight or tackle that big problem or reach out to your huge neighborhood. Maybe you're asking, how am I going to grow my cell group? How am I going to get in shape? How am I going to raise all that money that I need? How am I going to pursue that girl that I have my eye on? How am I going to break the cycle of sin? How am I going to get rid of this addiction once and for all? Perhaps like God, you're looking out at bleak nothingness and darkness. You're looking at chaos and wondering, how am I going to bring beauty and order and life and multiplication out of such daunting darkness, can I suggest to you to start as he started, start with one day. Start with today. You see, even God doles out mercy in 24-hour dispensations. Lamentations 3.22 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. We see the great faithfulness of our God in the fact that he resets the mercy clock with every day. You know, there was a time I was a very young girl, probably about as old as I was in that picture. And I was wrestling in, with this thought that, and this fear, and I thought if I was ever in a situation where my life was being demanded unless I renounced Christ, that I wouldn't be able to do it. And it's like I already felt the shame to think that I might deny Christ. I might be too frightened. I might be the one that says, fine, I'll I'll renounce him. I'll give up. And I was wrestling with this shame and this fear of what if that happens? What if my life is on the line and I haven't given a choice and I deny him? And I was so embarrassed in my little six or seven-year-old heart that I might do that to Jesus. And I went to my father because I have a habit of going to the mighty men of God in my life with deep questions. And I remember going to my dad and telling dad in my little six-year-old way, I'm already embarrassed and I already feel shame that I don't think if that day comes that I'll make it and that I'll make the right choice. And my dad so compassionately told me, Rebecca, if that day ever comes, He didn't deny the reality that sometimes things happen, but he assured me, if the day comes, you will have the grace in that moment to do what you need to do. You're struggling with it now because you're not under the grace now. But if that day comes, the grace you need and the mercy you need at that time will be available to you. You see, I was trying to wrestle with a future moment and a future day that I wasn't under the grace for yet. My mother can testify that this is true. There was a time that my mother and my brother, when he was very young, this was a number of years ago, they were held at gunpoint by thugs. I'm talking guns in their faces, at their heads. My brother was on the floor of the vehicle at the back being held down by a thug. And my mom testifies that in that moment, there was such an unexplainable, could only be God, supernatural peace and calm. There was a grace for that moment because God, how great is his faithfulness, knew when she woke up that morning that on that day she would require that mercy and he had it ready for her. Some of us are so caught up with anxiety and fear about the future, but can I just remind you the truth we all know, but sometimes we have to preach it to ourselves again. The future is in the hands of a faithful God. 
God is holding your tomorrows. The only thing he has given you to care for is today. In Exodus 16, when God was instructing the Israelites on how to collect manna, he made it very clear that they were only to collect enough for one day. If they tried to store it up for the future, it would become wormy and rotten. Only before the Sabbath day were they allowed to collect for two days so that on the Sabbath they could rest. Maybe you're struggling or weary or exhausted or feeling overwhelmed today because you're trying to live on yesterday's manna. You're trying to survive on the word or the rhema that you collected days ago or even weeks ago. And that's wormy and that's rotten. God has a word for you today. God has the grace you need today. God has the promise for today. God has the instructions for today. You know, Abraham, when he was offering his son Isaac, he was working in the now word of God. He was in obedience. But the Bible says that as the knife was raised, Abraham heard a voice from heaven saying, Abraham, Abraham, do not touch the child. If Abraham had let the emotions of the moment make him not be sensitive to the now word of God, he would have killed what God intended him to keep. There is a now word for you. There is a today word for you. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, he reemphasized the focus on the daily. Give us this day our daily bread. Have you collected your daily bread for today? Okay, today doesn't count. It's Sunday. We're kind of like throwing the daily bread at you. Tomorrow, when you wake up, are you going to wake up and say, God, this day, give me what I need. Feed me. for Give me the strength. Give me the ability. Give me the word. Give me the instructions. Give me the ideas. Give me the creativity. Give me the grace. Give me the humility. Give me the energy that I need for today. You know, the first time the word holy ever appears in the scripture is the creation story. The same Genesis 1 that we've read. It starts with God building a day, creating this time. Genesis 2, 2 says on the seventh day, God rested. And verse 3 says, he blessed the seventh day and made it holy and set it apart. He started creation by creating a day and he ended creation with setting apart one day. Maybe you're exhausted because the command of do not murder is as big as the command of keep one day set apart. Keep the Sabbath holy. And God never intended for us to be exhausted and under this worldly cycle of produce and work and build. You know, the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments, the first time the Ten Commandments was given was to Moses when the children of Israel had just come out of Egypt and God is establishing their culture of worship and their laws and giving them an identity as a people. And the commandment is, keep the Sabbath holy for the Lord your God rested on the seventh day. The second time the commandments was given, Moses' generation had died off and Joshua's generation was going to go and take the promised land. And before they go, God says, I want to remind them what the laws are. And the only one of the Ten Commandments that is worded differently between the first time and the second time is the commandment of the Sabbath. The first time God says, keep it holy because even God rested. But the second time the commandment is said, it says, keep the Sabbath holy for remember that you were once slaves in 
Egypt. I think what God was telling the young generation, and listen up to me, young people, God was reminding the young generation that Egypt system you came out of where you were whipped and you were worked by that Pharaoh in Egypt, he would make the slaves produce, produce more bricks, more bricks. You have to get the hay. You have to get the water. There's no rest. There's no time off. Keep producing. Keep pursuing. Keep building. Keep building. Build more. Build more. Attain more. Get more. And God's saying, listen, before you go into your promised land, I want to remind you, you were once slaves. You're not a slave anymore. You're not under that world system anymore. The world system that says get a bigger car, buy a bigger house. Why aren't you in Runda yet? You should have more clothes. Get an iPhone, the latest iPhone. Build, build, work, work. And we're so exhausted because we're not just dealing with today has been set apart to be holy. Today is the Lord's day. Today I am resting because it's just like tithe. When I give God his 10% and I give him control of my 90%, then what it means is I can do more. My 90% blessed finances will do more than my 100% cursed finances. And young people, you will build more, do more, accomplish more if you honor God by giving him one. One day, as he said, your six days will accomplish more than your seven days. We are no longer slaves in Egypt. Come on. Come on. It's a slave driver who tells you keep producing, keep working. Rest. Put your phone down. Look at your family. Enjoy. God didn't rest because he was exhausted. God worked and then looked back and said, that's good. It wasn't a rest of, oh, I'm so tired. I have to rest. It was a rest of, I'm satisfied with what I've done. This is good what I've created. Come on, work men and women in your business, in your home. Work hard. God, we're made in the image of God. Be creative. Do your work. But then sit back and enjoy. Be like, man, I did good this week. Man, that's great. And rest. Psalm 139.16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Every day for you has already been recorded. He knows exactly what you need today. He's going to check the Amy Matheny book and be like, Amy Matheny, November 28th. Okay, I see what's been recorded that's happening to her today. All right, mercy angels, here's the mercy she's going to need today. He's doing that for her. He's doing that for you. He's doing that for me. Yesterday is gone and held in God's hands. Uh, yesterday is gone. Tomorrow is held in God's hands. What you and I have been given to steward is today. Now, does that mean we shouldn't have a vision or think about tomorrow or think about future plans? Not at all. We are meant to look ahead. We are meant to plan ahead. But listen, the purpose of a vision or a dream or a calling is to know exactly what to do with today. That is the purpose. By taking care of today, you are taking care of tomorrow. By mismanaging today, you are creating problems in your tomorrow. In fact, taking care of today is one of the most visionary things you can do. Proverbs 29 18 says, without a prophetic vision, the people throw off all restraint. Vision doesn't just tell me what's coming. Vision shows me what to do today. It restrains me. We need to stop seeing restraint as a negative thing. It isn't. God isn't doing it to you. He's doing it for you. My husband and I once went out for a meal with some good friends of ours, and both of them are athletes. 
incredible athletes. And so we're thinking of where to go out for this meal. And I'm like, okay, we could do KFC. We could do Burger King. You know, we could do um, um, Hagen and get a big old fish and bunches of ugali. And I'm like going through all my things. And, and these friends of ours, they're like, yeah, I mean, wherever we're going, do they have salad? And I'm like, bro, what's up with that? Not funness. And he's like, oh, I have a race in four months. And his vision of victory four months down the line restrained what he was choosing to eat that day. Now, I nor my husband are athletes. And since we have no prophetic vision of winning a race in four months, we've cast off restraint. We're going to eat five pieces of KFC chicken each. That restraint isn't, oh, it's so bad that I have to do this. No, you want the victory? Then the vision is restraining you today. It's holding you in today. It's saying there is such a good tomorrow that this is the choice you should make today. Just make a good choice. Just eat a salad today. Is God saying win all the races and do all the things today? No, just today, just eat a salad. That's all. That's, you have the mercy to eat a salad today. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. No matter where you are going or what big dream or plan you have, you will not get there any faster than one day at a time. And daily doesn't feel significant to us, but it is. Daily is so significant, so much so that it is the only time God has actually given you. Do you realize you have no control over yesterday? And you have no idea what tomorrow holds. But today, that's where God has ordained you and me to steward. To win big, you must win small. To have a great marriage, you have to have a great day. To have a great business, you have to have a great day. To have a great children and raise them well, you got to have a good day. To have your child graduate at the end of the year, if you're a teacher, that starts today. I got to teach them A, B, C, and it doesn't feel significant, but days stack on days, stack on days. And when we get to the end of it, we're going to realize it mattered. Think of every choice you make in a day as a seed. You know, studies have shown that the average adult makes 35,000 choices in one day. And if you think of every choice you make as a seed that you're going to have to reap from that seed, then it makes it pretty significant what you choose to do today because the fruit you're going to eat tomorrow is decided by what you sow today. It can feel so small. You know, years ago, I was in counseling with Pastor David Briggs, and he was counseling myself and my family because I had made some very poor choices, and I was in a mess of mismanaging many yesterdays, and so now today I'm having to deal with the problems that if I had dealt with them when they were tiny and significant problems, we wouldn't be where we are, but we're here today. We're in a problem, and Pastor David started asking me questions about you know, where is the root of this thing? Because too many times we're trying to cut off the fruit instead of deal with the root. And fruit will be gone for a while and we'll feel like we're walking in victory and then be depressed when in another season it's the same problems, it's the same issues. So you've got to deal with the fruit, the root that the fruit is coming out of. And Pastor David's trying to find, okay, we know what you did. We know what the fruit is. We see what you've chosen. What we're trying to find out is 
Why did you choose that? Where did this begin? And so we started going into my yesterdays and we went so far back and God by his Holy Spirit helped us to uncover a situation that had happened when I was a child. It didn't excuse what I had done in the present moment, but it explained it. And this is what Pastor David was saying. You know, you can be running parallel mathematically. You can be exactly parallel, running parallel, but Satan understands the significance of a tiny change. If you're exactly parallel, and then you move this one just one degree separate, one degree off. Seems so insignificant. For a season, it'll still look like you're parallel. But eventually what will happen is that this one that's one degree off is going to spiral off to the side. Let me tell you guys something. Satan is a long game player. And he wants to bring such an insignificant thing that it's easily ignorable to you because he's not just thinking about messing up your today. He's thinking about messing up your tomorrow. And he's willing to be patient. He's willing to let that seed sit there and plant. So today, look over. Has any bad seed been planted? Today, is there anything I need to uproot? Today, is there anything I need to deal with? Because I'm thinking about tomorrow. It is significant. Every problem you have right now is because some bad choice was made in another today. Hebrews 3.13 says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God as firmly as when we first believed, I love this, you want to make it to the end, it starts with while it is still today. We will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your heart when you hear him speak today. Don't postpone obedience. And it doesn't even have to be a sin issue. Maybe God drops someone in your heart. Call this person. Don't harden your heart. Pastor John said last week, tomorrow might be a day too late to pray today's prayers. You know, Satan understands if he can just get us that little bit off course, something that feels so insignificant that it hardly even feels worth correction. He sees the power it will have later on. John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is something we learned at Creative Arts Conference. You know, church, there is nothing you have that the thief wants to steal. He's not going to steal 5,000 shillings from you and go and have a budget meeting in hell and be like, yes, guys, we have 5,000 shillings. How are we going to spend it? He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants you. He's not coming to steal from you. He's coming to steal you from. And if he has to touch your money to make you lose your way and get off course and, and whatever, if he has to touch your health or your family, if he, whatever he has to come and steal and kill and destroy, he will. But the end goal is that he gets you. He doesn't want anything you have. Selah. Ephesians 5.16, make the most of your opportunities because these are evil days. Make the most of the opportunity you have today. Bless somebody today. Man, bless your spouse today. Well, if I say I love her every day, she'll get used to it. Bless her today. Be kind today. Make wise financial choices today. Leo Buscaglia said, life lived for tomorrow will always be just a day away from being realized. 
Start today. How many times are we dealing with problems because we didn't heed his voice while it is today? You know, the scripture says, choose today. Choose you this day. Who will you serve? Yes, that does mean make a lifetime choice today. But a lifetime choice not chosen daily will not last a lifetime. A lifetime choice not chosen daily will not last a lifetime. I know this might sound terrible, but your salvation is not going to last a lifetime. Even if you answer an altar call and truly, genuinely give your life to the Lord, it will not last the lifetime if you don't continually choose each day to stay surrendered. Why do you think Satan doesn't stop attacking you after you've given your life to the Lord? You're still fair game. I don't just stand at an altar in a red dress and say, Alan, yes, I do. I have to wake up the next day and choose not to look at pornography and the next day and choose to say I'm sorry when I'm rude to him and the next day and choose not to spend all our savings account on sushi and the next day choose to make him breakfast even though I'm feeling self-centered and selfish and I would just want to complain and the next day I have to choose to repent because I was prideful and I was the one who was wrong and I insisted I was right for three hours and the next day choose to ignore the DM that comes into my messages and the next day choose to and the next day choose to and the next day choose and the next day and the next month and the next year it's a lifetime choice but it's not going to last if I just made this choice on this easy day and then the next day I choose a little compromise and I choose a little selfishness and I choose a little whatever it won't last young people old people all the people our salvation is not going to last. Our relationship and our journey with the Lord will not last if you think that one altar call is changing everything. You're still under attack. Satan is still coming to steal you from community and to steal you from protection and to steal you from joy. You have to choose you this day. I will serve the Lord. Mother Teresa said, yesterday has gone, tomorrow has not yet come, we only have today, let us begin. You might be sitting here like me at that time with David Briggs, you're just in a mess, man, you're just, things are so bad, it feels so overwhelming, you just feel like I don't know how to get out of this, I don't know what to do. My brothers and my sisters, can I just encourage you, just start today, just make the right move today, just begin right now. Oh, Rebecca, you don't know how messed up my marriage is. Oh, my goodness. One time, Alan and I went for marriage counseling, and our counselor looked at us, and, and he was like, he's a, he's a Christian counselor, which <clears throat> they all should be. They're going to counsel you in the right way. And, and he looked at us, and he said, can you guys tell me what did God tell you at the very beginning? And we sheepishly looked at one another, and we were like, just make today good. Oh, you know what? I didn't even tell you guys. That's my only point of my message, number one. Just make today good. There you go. That's my point. You're welcome. And we're sitting in counseling, and we are in a rough season. I don't like him very much. He doesn't like me very much. We're kind of questioning what came over us in that time that we thought we were the answer to each other's prayers. And we're sitting in this counseling meeting, and I'm just like, he's the problem, and he's like, she's the problem. And But I was right. He really was the problem. And 
<laughs> I'm just kidding, baby. I'm just kidding. <sighs> I'm holding the mic, so you are the problem. <laughs> and our counselor turns to us and he's like, what did God tell you in the beginning? You know, this is what the Bible says in the book of Revelation. You've done it, but this is what I have against you. You've left your first love. What, what was your first love? And we're looking at each other like, just make today good. And, and we felt so sheepish because the reason we're in these problems is because we mismanaged today. I was rude today, and I didn't say sorry. He was, well, let's just talk about me, okay? <laughs> Choose today. Start today. Make today good. Harvey Firestone Jr. says, today is when everything that's going to happen from now on begins. Freedom is going to happen from now on. It begins today. Healing is going to happen from now on. It begins today. Whatever's going to happen from now on, it begins today. When you wake up every morning, listen, y'all, I do this every single morning. The minute conscious thought comes to my mind and I wake up from sleep, the first thought I think is, God, I choose today to serve you. How can I be a blessing? And I'll start going through that day. If it's a Wednesday morning, okay, God, how can I bless Alan today? How can I bless my cell girls today? How can I serve well? What do I need to do at work today? What healthy choices do I need to make? I don't need to lose 100 pounds today. I just need to eat a salad today. Hey, I can do that. I can do that. I don't need to exercise to lose 100. I just need to exercise 15 minutes. Hey, I got the mercy for that. That's just what I got to do today. And if I just exercise just 15 minutes, those todays are going to stack up and good things are going to happen just by handling today. Let me finish by saying this. There will come a day that we will stand and we will give an account of every single day that we have lived. The scripture says that we are going to account for every word that was spoken, every action that was taken, every choice that was made. The Bible even says the hidden motives will be exposed on that day. And on that day, I will regret if I did not manage today well. Because today, Sunday, November 27th, whatever I do today, I'm going to give an account for it. Even the believers, you know, we get this idea that only the heathen will be judged and sent to their eternal uh, 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 doom. No, we will be judged. The Bible says that us, the believers, the fire will consume. And whatever is left by that fire is what we have to offer to Jesus. It's the, what we lay at his feet. One day, that great day will be today. So let me live my today in light of that day. God, stamp eternity on my eyes. Everything I see, everything I do, I'm doing today, thinking about that day. That day, when I stand before Jesus, oh my goodness. It's coming. It's not a theory or a fairy tale. That day comes when we will act. Jesus is coming for his bride. That's me. That's you. We will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says on that day, he will be a great and terrible judge. His holiness will be on display. And I want to live all of my todays thinking about 
that day. There is a day coming. And I don't know when it will be. You don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be today. We might be meeting in heaven before this day is even done. No man knows the day or hour. God, that's why I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Lord, I just need the hourly mercy that has been doled out for the 24 hours of today. I just need to make a good choice today. I need to love my spouse today. I need to look at my children and play with them for 10 minutes today. Or half an hour, whatever is a healthy amount of time. I need to repent today, now, today. Tomorrow might be too late. If I did the wrong thing, I need to say I'm sorry today. I need to get it right today. I need to make a healthy choice today. I did not become overweight in a day. I became overweight in many days, stacked up that it didn't feel significant. Y'all skinny people quit judging me. You have your own problems you need to deal with, okay? Could we all stand, please? Listen, today, today, you might be here so overwhelmed by problems, overwhelmed by what needs to happen, overwhelmed by the progress you need to make, overwhelmed by the budget that you require, overwhelmed by need, overwhelmed by desire, overwhelmed by vision, overwhelmed by, man, that's where I want to go, that's where I want to end up. Oh, my friends, God holds your tomorrows. Just be faithful today. Just love Jesus today. Just stand for righteousness today. Just be unashamed of the gospel today. Just be nice to someone today. And that day will become a week. And that week will become a month. And that month will become a year. And finally, when we stand before Jesus on that great day, we will not be ashamed just because we made today good. God bless you. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for that word. Having heard this word, we just want to take a moment and, and pray together. Would you join me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we just take a moment to respond to this word. God, today, we just want to lay it all down. We want to lay it all down at your feet, Lord. Every choice we've made that's in our yesterdays that's caused us to end up in a place of bondage. Lord, every choice that we've made and things that we've said or done that's brought us to this moment where we find ourselves in slavery. We find ourselves having once been delivered and been set free. Now today, here we are and we need you. We need mercy today. We need to rise up and make some godly choices and Lord, to be set free. And I thank you today for your people, your church coming to that place of freedom today. Today is our day, and we give you the thanks. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Everybody have a great, great day.
and a great week that will follow. God bless you.